Lord. Open for me the gates where the righteous enter, and I will go in and thank the Lord. These gates lead to the presence of the Lord, and the godly enter there. I thank you for answering my prayer and giving me victory. The stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing, and it is wonderful to see. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Please, Lord, save us. Please, Lord, give us success. Bless the one who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. The Lord is God shining upon us. Take the sacrifice and bind it with cords on the altar. You are my God, and I will praise you. You are my God, and I will exalt you. Thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. Let all that I am praise the Lord. With my whole heart, I will praise his holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. He forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. He redeems me from death and crowns me with love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord gives righteousness and justice to all who are treated unfairly. For his unfailing love for those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. He has removed our sins as far as from, as the east is from the west. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. Praise the Lord, you angels, you mighty ones who carry out his plans. Listen for each of his commands. Yes, praise the Lord, you armies of angels who serve him and do his will. Praise the Lord, everything he has created, everything in all his kingdom. Let all that I am praise the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be, be to God. God. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, I welcome you to the First Baptist Church of Oregon City Worship Podcast. Today is Palm Sunday. It is the last Sunday in the season of Lent, and it is the Sunday that we recognize Jesus riding into Jerusalem, being hailed as king before by the end of the week, he will face his cross. And more on that later. But on Palm Sunday, we recognize that there is a celebration when Jesus is king, that there is a time to rejoice when Jesus is king. And so as we go through our worship service this morning, we rejoice in the lordship of Jesus, uh, but we also consider what it means for, for Jesus's cross to be our cross. Out of a desire to love our neighbors well, and to care for the most vulnerable and relieve the burden on the healthcare workers of our community, we have continued to suspend in-person worship and instead are worshiping in other ways. 
And one of those ways that's different is we are going to do a Good Friday live Zoom service. Uh, it is going to be a type of service, not entirely uh, called a Tenebrae service, um, but we're going to make it as much as a Tenebrae service as we can. And Tenebrae means darkness. And so we would invite, if you're able to, uh, when you join us on Zoom on Friday, April the 2nd at 7 p.m., and the, the link will be in your Friday email, and it will also be in, uh, in the description of this podcast. Uh, when you join us, have a candle lit. Uh, make sure it's a candle that can stay lit for about half an hour. Uh, and we'll let you know when to extinguish that candle. And as we go through readings of the final hours of the life of Jesus Christ, our Lord, we will extinguish candles one by one until we are in darkness, reflecting on uh, what Christ did for us on the cross that day. So again, that's going to be April 2nd at 7 p.m. Uh, the link will be in, the Zoom link will be in the uh, Friday email and it will also be uh, available below. And if you wanna receive those Friday emails, you can send us a line at baptist.church at comcast.net or go to our website, onebaptistchurch.org. Also coming up this week, uh, if you are already on our email list, you'll be getting a daily Holy Week devotion. Uh, so this week, the week between Palm Sunday and Easter is known as Holy Week. And so every day there will be a little, uh, a few paragraphs and a reflection on, that are a reflection on scripture. And you can read the scripture yourself and then, and read the reflection. Those will again, come out daily via email. And if, again, if you want to receive those emails, our website is onebaptistchurch.org. And there's a form on there uh, where you can send us your email address and we'll add you to the list. If you are listening to this before 11.30 a.m. on Sunday, March the 28th, and you would like to join us for our Zoom art show, uh, you are more than welcome to. Uh, again, that is Sunday, March the 28th at 11.30 a.m. Pacific time. If you have art that you've been working on or a hobby or a book that you've read that you enjoyed or a poem that you've written, um, bring, bring it to the Zoom coffee hour, which will function as our Zoom art show. And we would be happy to rejoice in the creative spirit that you have and, and celebrate the work that you've done. And so, again, if you want that link, just send us an email and we'll gladly send it to you. As the seasons change from winter to spring, as the green comes out in our world, it is a reminder that in Christ, there is always life, there is always a reason to rejoice, and that God is with us in every season, not just of our time, but of our lives. Hope is stirring.
washed away, washed away. Hosanna, Hosanna, you are the God who saves us, worthy of all our praises. Hosanna, Hosanna, come have your way among us. We welcome you here. Passover visitors took palm branches and went down the road to meet him. They shouted, Praise God! Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hail to the King of Israel. Rejoice, O people of Zion! Shout in triumph, O people of Jerusalem! Look, your King is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious. Yet he is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. I will remove the battle chariots from Israel and the war horses from Jerusalem. I will destroy all the weapons used in battle, and your king will bring peace to the nation. Open up ancient gates, open up ancient doors, and let the king of glory enter. Who is this king of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty, the Lord, invincible in battle. Go out through the gates, prepare the highway for my people to return. Smooth out the road, pull out the boulders, rig us a flag for all the nations to see. The Lord has sent this message to every land. Tell the people of Israel, look, your Savior is coming. See, he brings his reward with him as he comes. In that coming day, says the Lord, 
I will gather together those who are lame, those who have been exiles, and those whom I have filled with grief. Those who are weak will survive as a remnant. Those who are exiles will become a strong nation. Then I, the Lord, will rule as their king forever. As for you, Jerusalem, the citadel of God's people, your royal might and power will come back to you again. The kingship will be restored to my precious Jerusalem. They will be called the holy people and the people redeemed by the Lord. And Jerusalem will be known as a desirable place and the city no longer forsaken. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Dear Father, we come before you to exalt you as King of our lives. Today we celebrate Jesus' triumphant entry into Jerusalem. As we read the gospel account of the story, we are amazed at the jubilation they showed by hailing Jesus as their King. As the people spread their coats and palm branches on the ground to welcome Jesus into Jerusalem, so we welcome him into our lives this morning. King of glory, King of peace, servant King, reign in our hearts and lives this day and all days, that we might praise your holy name. Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. As they spread their coats and cut their palm branches, others went on ahead shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. In Matthew's Gospel, he says that when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? Can't you imagine the energy of the moment? Voices cheering and shouting, people trying to see through the crowds just who it was that was coming through that day. Lord, as they called out Hosanna, they were hailing Christ as King, as they pictured Jesus as their earthly King. Father God, you had a different plan in store. You were providing a way to set us free eternally. Thank you for sending your son and paving the way for our lives to be set free through Jesus' death on the cross. Thank you for what this day stands for, the beginning of Holy Week, the start of a journey towards the power of the cross, the victory of the resurrection, and the rich truth that Jesus truly is our King of Kings. We give you praise and honor for your ways are righteous and true. We give worship for you are holy and just. We will declare that your love stands firm forever, for your loving kindness endures forever. Thank you that your ways are far greater than our ways. Um, your thoughts far deeper than our thoughts. Thank you that you had a plan to redeem. Thank you that you made all things new. Thank you that your face is toward the righteous and you hear our prayers and know our hearts. Help us to stay strong and true to you. Help not to follow after the voices of the crowd, but to press in close to you, to hear your whispers and to seek after you. 
I lay before your throne of grace and mercy all of the prayer requests of those who are sick, those who need strength and courage to go on, those who are grieving the loss of a loved one, the prayer needs of our young church, and the prayer needs of our communities. You know all the details, and through your goodness and mercy, you see what needs to be done. Your way is superior to any of our ways. You have each person who needs a touch from you in the palm of your hand, and your love encompasses them. We ask for healing, but above all, we ask that your will be done. Be with our congregation as we prepare for Holy Week. May we be in your word as we approach Easter Sunday, a day we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior. Because he died on the cross, he took our sins upon himself and became the sacrificial lamb for us. He was buried but did not stay dead, but he arose. And because he is our risen Lord, we will someday be with him for all eternity. We thank you, Lord, for your sacrifice that you made on our behalf. Be with our pastor today as he brings us a message from your word. Open our hearts and ears and prepare our hearts to receive the word. Anoint him with the power of the Holy Spirit as he brings your message for us. And may our podcast be a blessing to all that hear it. So in closing, I pray, merciful God, as we enter Holy Week, turn our hearts again to Jerusalem and to the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Stir up within us the gift of faith that we may not only praise him with our lips, but may follow him in the way of the cross. We praise you. We bless you, Lord. Thank you that you reign supreme. We are more than conquerors through the gift of Christ. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. This is Gary Hundley, reading from Mark 11, 1 through 11, from the New International Version, The Triumphal Entry. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you doing this? Tell them the Lord needs it and will send it back shortly. They went and found a colt outside in the street, tied at a doorway. As they untied it, some people standing there asked, why are you doing this, untying that colt? And they answered as Jesus told them to, and the people let them go. When they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, while others spread branches they had cut in the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! 
Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. Jesus entered Jerusalem. He went to the temple. He looked around at everything. But since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. Christian pastor and author Brian Zond wrote in his book, Postcards from Babylon, about seeing statues of people on horses. During our second trip to Portugal, we were strolling around Lisbon when we walked past the statue of some Portuguese general. This unknown to me military hero from long ago was astride a horse with reins in one hand and a sword in the other. The statue embodied the imperial aspirations of a Portugal that is now long gone. In my travels, I've seen the same statue in every capital city, the horse, the dude, the sword, the pigeon droppings. Of course, they're not really the same statue, but if you're a foreigner and don't know who the hero is, they all look the same. So I remarked to Perry, his wife, there's always some dude on a horse. We laughed and it's become a running joke. Now we have to say it every time we see one of these statues. After working this quip into some of my sermons, people now regularly send me photos of these statues from around the world tagged with, there's always some dude on a horse. I've seen horse riding dudes in capitals from Lisbon to London, from Rome to Paris, from St. Petersburg to Washington, DC. Whenever we see these statues, and, and I've seen them as well, and I think you've seen them as well. Uh, if you've been, again, to, to most capitals, uh, even of, of United States states, United States states, is that how we say that? Uh, states in the United States have statues of people on horses or people that they think are great. And most of the time when you see these statues, they are, uh, they are lofty, they are exalted, they are high up and Again, they're, they're, they're the, the person, the dude on the horse with the sword, and they represent power and authority. When we, when we enter scripture today, when we read this scripture and come to Jesus in Jerusalem, he is, he is preparing to enter Jerusalem. He is on the eastern side of Jerusalem. The Mount of Olives is, on, is to the east of Jerusalem. He is there. Meanwhile, Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor of the province of Palestine, was taking a group of the Roman cavalry in through the western gate. Pontius Pilate was some dude on a horse. And if it weren't for his role in the story of Jesus then honestly, Pontius Pilate would be just another dude on a horse forgotten in history. But here he comes in the Western Gate. Meanwhile, here's Jesus in this, uh, this kind of preposterous scene where he's riding on a donkey, a donkey that doesn't belong to him. People have thrown their cloaks over the donkey instead of putting a proper saddle and, and harness and all of this on the donkey. They have thrown their cloaks out on the, the road, which, uh, which roads at that time were not like roads now because they, 
they were often covered in dust, dirt, and various types of debris, if you're following my meaning. And, and so here's Jesus going into Jerusalem on this donkey while people are waving palm branches and shouting passages from Psalm 118. Now, Psalm 118 is, is just before, in a section of Psalms, just before the Psalms of Ascent. The Psalms of Ascent are Psalms 120 through 134, that were, were Psalms that as people were going up the hill that Jerusalem is built on, they would sing these Psalms together and praise and rejoice as they were going up to Jerusalem. And now here's, here are these people praising Jesus with this Psalm that has serious implications because this is a Psalm praising the ancestor of David. This is a Psalm praising the one who comes to bring back the greatness of Israel as they remember it from the time of David. And Jesus is coming in on this donkey and he comes in in the middle of this scene and it's a scene that several decades earlier was also seen, except the guy was not Jesus. It was a man named Simon, Simon Maccabeus. And Simon Maccabeus had conquered, he was, he was one of the Maccabees, and he had conquered uh, Jerusalem and Judea uh, in for the Israelites, for the Jewish people. And now he was coming triumphantly into Jerusalem. And it was a very similar scene. Uh, he entered with palm branches and praises and music, um, a passage from the book of First Maccabees, uh, which is uh, a book that is uh, historical in nature, but it's, is not considered to be scripture. Um, a passage says that he entered with uh, clashing cymbals and lyres and music and shouts and praises. And so he had done this and he had gone through the Eastern gate of Jerusalem. And now here's Jesus doing this. And the people had seen what Jesus had done. They knew what Jesus was up to. The secret was out. And so Jesus rides in to Jerusalem amidst all of these praises and sets himself up as a king. Not quite. He goes into the temple, which all eyes would have been on Jesus going into the temple. And they would have expected something dramatic. But at least in Mark's gospel, in, in other gospels, Jesus goes straight in and clears out the temple. But in Mark's gospel, Mark tells a slightly different story. Jesus goes in, has a look around, notices that the time is getting late, and leaves. So why would he do that? Why would Jesus do this? Because the next day, if you keep reading in chapter 11, Jesus comes back the next day and clears out the temple. He clears out the temple of money changers who were taking advantage of people who just wanted to worship God. And so in that way, he purifies the temple. 
in in one sense but when we're when we're looking at what mark has for just the first day as biblical commentator dr timothy gombus says it's the anti-triumphal entry he comes in has a look around and leaves so why and it says the, the, the hour was getting late. We sometimes separate this scene that we might call Palm Sunday, we might call the triumphal entry, and then Good Friday when Jesus was crucified. But maybe we shouldn't. Because when we see this scene where Jesus has entered Jerusalem. He has entered the temple. And we see the scene where Jesus is crucified. We have two images of Jesus as king. But they're two on the on the outset. We're tempted to say that they're two very different images. But are they? Is it really that different to look at Jesus riding into Jerusalem? And Christ on the cross. Yes, I know he has been beaten. He has been abused. He has been spat on. He's wearing a crown of thorns on his head on the cross. And none of that has happened to him here. But consider this. When you read about Jesus in other gospels, especially John, John makes this point over and over and over again, that Jesus's crucifixion is when he sits on his glorious throne. Jesus's death is his enthronement. His cross is his masterful throne. And to his right and his left are thieves sitting in places that are commonly reserved for people of great power if Jesus were a proper king of this world. If Jesus were a dude on his horse, he would not be crucified. If Jesus were a dude on the horse, he would have gone into the temple, cleared it out, and started doing kingly type things. But Jesus knows that this is not the throne that he's to sit on. From the outset in this passage, Jesus starts doing kingly things. Uh, a, a steed or a, a any animal that the king rides horse or donkey, is not to be ridden by anybody else. And so Jesus requests a colt of a donkey that was never ridden by anybody else. Jesus is already doing kingly things in that he doesn't, he gives a decree. He says, go get this donkey, say the master has need of it and will bring it back. And sure enough, it happens. He is exercising his kingship right here. And Jesus goes into Jerusalem and he goes into the temple and he has a look around. And he has a look around. And as Mark develops and as, as the passage, the chapter develops from here, it was almost as if he was going to survey his kingdom as kings often do when they uh, become into their kingly power. 
And so, so he goes in and he looks in the temple. And because of the lateness of the hour, he leaves. And we assume that that's the lateness of the day. But the Israelites had so misunderstood by this point what the power of God to rescue them was going to look like and what it was, was supposed to look like when God ruled as their king, that they were doing things and, and having the hope that it was going to be a military deliverance. They had put all of their hope in a military, in a, in a violent deliverance. There was a group called the Zealots that wanted to take over, uh, take the Romans over violently. And one of them was traveling with Jesus. Simon the Zealot was one of the disciples. And so Jesus goes in and he looks around and he sees that it's so late because they have turned from putting their hope in a God who from the outset had told Abraham, I'm going to bless you so that you can be a blessing to the whole world. The, the Old Testament is full of promises that through God's people, the whole world will be blessed. But they thought that their greatness was going to come through conquering. And Jesus saw that it was late. And so Jesus turns and leaves and he decides that he's going to come back and pronounce his judgment a different day. But then we look at Jesus as king later on in the week. Because Jesus sees, has had days to see what's going on in Jerusalem, to see the state of his people. Because Jesus is fully God, and so these are his people. And because Jesus is fully human, these are his countrymen. These are his fellow human beings, and he sees what state they are in. And so Jesus takes the full force of all of this judgment onto himself. He takes the, uh, the waywardness of the temple. He takes the, uh, the violent understanding that, that, or the violent thought, mistake, however you want to call it, that God's kingdom would come through violence. And he takes that violence upon himself. He takes the, the truth of the Romans that, and the peace of the Romans. The, the peace of the Romans was the idea that once you defeated all your enemies, you would have peace. And Jesus was just another person for the Romans to put to death. So he took that upon himself as well. And he claimed victory over all of this because that's what a king does. A king claims a victory for the good of his people. And when Jesus claims his throne as the heir of David, when Jesus claims his throne, he fulfills the role of the suffering servant from Isaiah. And so when we look at this, it's not that different to see Jesus on the cross fulfilling his kingly duties 
And Jesus, in, in his triumphal entry, fulfilling his kingly duties there. You can't fully understand one without the other. And as we look at this, we have to ask ourselves, well, what does this mean for how we understand Jesus right now? And we have to understand that Jesus is our king. That yes, we need to praise Jesus. We need to worship Jesus and exalt and lift high the name of Jesus, the name above every other name. But we don't praise Jesus for the triumphal entry alone. We praise Jesus because he was willing to finish his kingly duties on the cross. He was willing to take the brunt of the violence and the hatred and the, the militaristic hopes of his people. He was willing to take on the failure of the Israelites to bless the whole world onto himself. And in taking it into his body, he pronounced forgiveness on it. And we praise Jesus for this as well. Because it's two images of Jesus as king. And when we put them together, we see Jesus as the royal regal king who suffers for the sake of his people. We see Jesus as the creator of the universe. Yes, as the rightful Lord of all the cosmos. But he doesn't get there because he marched into Jerusalem on the back of a donkey. He gets there because that same humility that put him on the back of a donkey put him on the cross. And the same love and service that Jesus showed in the cross We see, we see him living out on the donkey. And when we see Jesus in this way, we recognize the whole picture. We see the whole scene laid out for us. And we ask, how do we respond? And we respond by living our lives differently. We respond by recognizing that our lives as followers of Jesus follow in the same pattern. We love people sacrificially. We love people with humility. We don't follow the dude on the horse. We follow the guy on the donkey who becomes the guy on the cross. We recognize that it's not our greatness that rescues us. It's not our deeds or our intelligence or our might that saves us, but it is by constantly putting ourselves under the kingship of the man on the cross and living out his priorities in the world, living out King Jesus's 
ways. That's what we do when we recognize Jesus as king. We are servants of the king. And we are servants of the king on the cross, not the commander on the donkey, not the commander on the horse. We recognize Jesus in his fullness as king, and we follow in his footsteps every day of our lives. Through the course of Holy Week, we see Jesus teaching in the temple. We see Jesus clearing out the temple. We see Jesus talking about what it looks like and, and how things go when God's people put their hopes in military might and worldly power rather than in humble submission, sacrifice, and service to the world that God so loves. And by the end of the week, we see Christ on the cross. But we already see King Jesus. We see King Jesus coming on the donkey, knowing that King Jesus is going to sit on his throne when he comes to the cross. Sing a little louder. Sing a little louder. Sing a little louder. 
During the season of Lent, we as a body of Christ have been practicing breathing prayer. In case you had missed a few other Sundays, breathing prayer is the practice of offering a prayer to God with every breath that we breathe, that we usually say some name of God or the name of Jesus or the Holy Spirit as we inhale and then as we exhale, we offer up a prayer or a request or a thanksgiving. And it's a way to pray continually. It's a way to make every breath that enters and exits our lungs an offering to God. Today is the last day of the season of Lent, and we've been working on this for six weeks. And by now you probably know or have a, a pretty good feeling if breathing prayer is something that you want to continue to welcome into your prayer practice in addition to a dedicated time of prayer at some point in the day. Or if this is something that uh, just isn't for you. But let me add two words to that thought of just isn't for you in case this is where your head is at. Maybe this just isn't for you right now. Let me explain. Maybe in the season of life that you're in, maybe whatever, whatever it is that you're living through right now, whatever your uh, joy or struggle, your happiness or sadness, whatever state you're in in life right now, maybe breathing prayer just isn't, uh, isn't a way that you're connecting with God. And that's okay. But don't forget about it. I think anytime we have the opportunity to learn uh, a possible way that our, our souls can connect with our Creator, that we should uh, take it, that we should learn from it, and if we don't think it's for us at one particular moment of our lives, hang on to it. 
there may be a time when you don't know what else to pray, and there's breathing prayer. There may be a time that you struggle to pray, and there's breathing prayer. There may be a time that you are so thankful and overjoyed that you just want every breath to be an offering to God, and there is breathing prayer. I hope that you have found it in some way helpful. I hope that it's something that you have uh, that you've given time and, and effort to. And so with our last breathing prayer of the season of Lent for 2021, we are going to be uh, saying a breathing prayer to King Jesus. As always, you will hear Katie say the word inhale, and then you'll hear my voice uh, giving you something to pray. And then you'll hear Katie say, exhale, and then my voice giving you something to pray. And it will we'll repeat a couple of times. In a prior week, I, I said that I would leave some space for, uh, for silence at the end of breathing prayer. And my audio editing program cut that silence off automatically. But I think I figured out how to fix that. So if there is silence this time, great. And if there's not, I'm sorry. But let's go to the Lord one more time and offer breathing prayer. Inhale. King Jesus. Exhale. Draw us close to you. Inhale. King Jesus. Exhale. Draw us close to you. Inhale. King Jesus. Exhale. Draw us close to you. Hear the word of the Lord. You must have the same attitude Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. But Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. When he was hung on the cross, he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. For it is written in the scriptures, Cursed is anyone who is hung on a tree. Christ never sinned, nor ever deceived anyone. He did not retaliate when he was insulted, nor threatened revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God, who always judged fairly. He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross, so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds, you are healed. Once you were like sheep and wandered away, but now you have turned to your shepherd, the guardian of your souls. Through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing he promised to Abraham, so that we who are believers might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people, 
when in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both Jews and Gentiles to God by means of his death on the cross, and our hostility toward each other was put to death. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We thank you for joining us today as we look at Jesus's triumphal arrival in Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. We hope and pray that as we have prayed and sung and heard God's word read and proclaimed, that the spirit of the Lord has has truly spoken to you, has, has touched your heart and helped you to understand who you are as a beloved child of God and as a person that God so loved that he sent his one and only son to rescue our world from the clutches of sin. Remember, if you are listening to this before 11.30 a.m. Pacific time on the 28th of March, 2021, and would like to join us for our Zoom coffee hour art show, please feel free to do so. But if there's anything that you need, if there's a way that we can pray for you, if there's a physical need that we can help provide for you, don't hesitate to call or email us. Uh, You can find both our phone number and our email address on our website, onebaptistchurch.org. And if you would like to see the video of today's podcast, uh, on our website, we have a link to our new YouTube channel where we are putting up more videos of of sermons and worship services. uh, And you can see all of those there uh, at your leisure. Don't forget this coming Friday, April the 2nd at 7 p.m. on Zoom, we will be having a Good Friday service uh, where we will again go to the cross. We will see Jesus uh, take his, his place on the cross, willingly going there for our rescue. I'd like to thank our director of worship and youth, Melissa Mellinger, for leading us in music this morning. I'd like to thank Jeannie Vance for her piano prelude. I'd like to thank Jim Leatherman, our church moderator, for leading us in prayer. I'd like to thank Katie Witham and all of the First Baptist Church readers. And I'd like to thank our audio engineers, Gary and Doreen Hunley, for making everything sound good. And remember, love God, love your neighbor, wear your mask, and wash your hands.